Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. The month of October is set aside as Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and so I am going to kick us off this week with a very practical episode and invite you to do something to support domestic violence survivors. We can all do something. Not everything um, that survivors need revolves around finances. And so I'm going to give you some very, very practical um, ideas, tangible things that you can do to step in and help someone who is on their healing journey. So if you are a survivor, you're probably going to nod your head a lot through this. And you're probably going to be like, yes, I need that. And yes, that would be helpful. So I invite survivors to pass this episode on to any of the helpers in your life who truly want to know better and do better. If you have family members, friends, coworkers, people that you attend church with, maybe neighbors, and they're aware of your situation and they're like, you know, I really want to help. I just don't know where to begin. This will be that episode that you can pass on. This is not meant to ask survivors who are in the thick of it right now to do these things for other people. And I want to, I want to stress that because if you are barely keeping your head above water right now or keeping your kids heads above water, you don't need to worry about taking care of other people right now. This is more for those who have come out on the other side. They have walked through the different seasons of healing and now they are ready to reach back into the fire and pull others out. Or this is for people in your life who have not experienced this type of abuse, but really truly want to be a helper. So I am going to offer some very practical ideas, tangible helps. Every person's need is different and everyone's um, comfort level for accepting or asking for help is going to be different. Bear in mind that most survivors have dealt with incredible amounts of betrayal from family, so-called friends, so-called faith community, maybe even their coworkers. And so sometimes when we offer to help, they may be very resistant to that because they're afraid we're not going to follow through. They are afraid that they're going to be a burden Um, The things that they've been told, right? They've been told that they're too much and that they overwhelm people. So just know that it may not be super simple to do these things. But if you show up in faithful ways, small ways, and big ways in time, they're probably going to learn to trust you, that you are a person of your word. So I invite you to do something, okay? And I, again, I'm speaking on behalf of survivors everywhere. I know that people have done some of these things for me. And it has been the difference between getting through and not getting through. You can listen to episodes 88 and 89 um, that I just recorded recently to determine if you are a safe helper. And so I would, I recommend you do that. And maybe there'll be something in there that you're listening. You're like, Ooh, I did that. And I didn't realize that that was so harmful. All you need to do is go back and apologize and say, listen, I realized that when I did X, Y, Z, that it may have caused further harm to you. I really want to learn how to be a safer helper and are you willing to help me learn and follow through when you say you're going to do something. I can't stress that enough. So go back to episodes 88 and 84 of this podcast. Episode 69 is titled neutrality is always choosing the abuser. Know 
from the get-go that if you still have relationships um, with the abusers of your friend, she's not going to feel safe with you. If you are staying in contact with her ex or with her family who has harmed her or with other friends or even a faith community that has harmed her, she's not going to feel safe with you because neutrality does not work when abuse is part of the equation. You can go back and listen to episode 69 to learn why that is the case. And then episode 26 is no better, do better, and harmful things that have been said to victims that really make um, the damage just layer trauma upon trauma upon trauma. And then episode 28 is the no better, do better, what helps or what heals. So those are really filled with practical application that you can go back if you really are ready to learn, learn, learn. Okay, so the first challenge that I have for anyone and everyone, and this is pretty much going to require not really a lot financially, but it's going to require some of your time and investment of your time is become informed become informed. Abuse is so much more than broken bones and bruises. And I can't say that enough. If you go back to episodes 77 and 78 of this podcast, I go through Sarah McDougall has compiled a list of 18 forms of abuse. And you can learn about all of those forms of abuse. I'm not going to go into and explain each and every one, but they all basically focus and spin around and revolve around a core mindset of entitlement of power over that drives all of these forms. Okay. And I'm going to jump to the, the one she shares about power and it includes delusions of grandeur. They're entitled. They create chaos. They're religiously rigid. They're credit hogs. They're supremists. They are obsessed with respect in the sense that they demand it regardless of their behaviors. So there's a type of respect that just wants to be respected and honored because you're a human being. But then there's the type of respect, quote unquote, that abusers demand that it's all about their power and control over you. That regardless of how they behave, they demand that you respect them. That's very, very dangerous. And they're fixated on how things appear versus how things really are. Then in alphabetical order, I'm just going to read down through all these different forms. And again, you can go back to those podcast episodes and learn about each one specifically, or you can go to the Wilderness to Wild website that Sarah does a fantastic job with, and you can get these lists. So the beliefs um, that their beliefs are better than and higher than and above than and superior to, there is using children to abuse you or to abuse them, cultural abuse, cyber abuse. Emotional, financial, intellectual, legal, medical, using pets and property to harm you, physical abuse, psychological, reproductive, which is very common in these cults where people are extremely conservative and husbands just demand that their wives have babies, have babies, have babies with no regard to her physical um, well-being and how it's harming her body. Sexual abuse, social, spiritual, and verbal. So there's 18 different forms and you can go back and learn. So when we say to a woman, well, at least he didn't hit you or he's not hitting you, is he? We are minimizing other forms of abuse and other types of harm that she can be enduring. And something that was very, very important for me to learn is that all of these forms of abuse can translate to physical. Because when you're living in a constant state of fight, flight, freeze, fawn, 
And you never know when the attack is going to come on your mind, your body, your spirit, your finances, your children, any of these things, your body begins to break down. And we see over and over and over again, women who have endured abuse are also enduring chronic health issues and their bodies are absolutely broken down and they can barely function and most of them cannot work a full-time job. So this is a reality for a lot of moms and a lot of women. And when you are just like, well, why can't you just work? Why can't you just get a job? Why can't you just, well, first of all, don't say, why can't you just, or if only you would, or, um, you should just all those, um, types of lead-ins are very, very minimizing and harmful. So understand that her body has endured years, if not decades of abuse and trauma And her body tells the story of what she's been through mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of the things. So coming beside her and saying, I am willing to learn about this reality. I am willing to learn about what you have endured. I'm willing to listen to your story. Um, Yeah, would be super, super helpful. So I'm just going to throw out some resources and a couple of just statistics. Um, there's varying, varying statistics depending on the source, okay, that you go to, but we are seeing that one in three women have reported, okay, so this is reported incidents of physical and or sexual violence. That is reported incidents, and that's only dealing with physical or sexual. But when you consider all the other forms of abuse that I just described, okay, this number is much, much, much higher. If we had a way of surveying women who have endured spiritual abuse, emotional, verbal, financial, reproductive, if we had a way of going and finding out what different women have been through, that number would be astronomically high. It would not be one in three, I promise you. But the only ones that at this point that are legally... Um, prosecutable, if that's a word, uh, are the, the physical and the sexual. There are some countries and even some states that are beginning to take the emotional more seriously and find ways to um, make that punishable by law, but that is going to be a very slow and very difficult to prove um, reality. So I do dream of a day when all forms of abuse are punishable by law but we're looking at just sexual and or physical, and that number is one in three. Now, when you go into a conservative faith community, like many women that I know have been a part of, that number is high. And I would, I would stand on my thought. I would stand on my conviction. I would stand on what my experience has told me. That in most of the very conservative, evangelical, fundamental type of churches, 75% or more women are enduring multiple forms of abuse. I believe that with all of my heart. Because you are breeding abuse. Anytime that you are saying that male has power over female and has control over female, you're going to find all of these different forms of abuse at play. So I believe the number one in three is so, so low. But even if it was just one in three, you would look at a church group of women that has a hundred women 
and you would assume that 33 of them are enduring physical or sexual violence in their home. Isn't that enough to take this seriously? Isn't that a ridiculously high number? Okay, and then if you figure in he's using spiritual abuse and he's using finances and he's demanding that she keep having babies even though her body can't take it and even though he doesn't help with the children. If you start looking at all these other forms of abuse, you're going to get way, way, way higher numbers. So it's super, super important that we learn and that we educate ourselves and that we not stick our heads in the sand. Excuse me. All right. So some places that you can go to learn. And most of these do have Facebook and Instagram accounts, which is a great way to learn. Most of these have websites. I invite you to spend 10 minutes a week, 10 minutes a week. You can do this and do some research into these different organizations. So the National Domestic Violence Hotline, that is a great resource It is a secure site so that if you are a domestic violence uh, victim currently and you go to the website and you're looking up information and someone walks in the room who shouldn't see that, you can get off and it should not show up in your browser history. They have taken great links to secure their site so that it is a safe site. So go to the domestic violence National Domestic Violence Hotline and learn, learn, learn. Put their number in your phone and have that handy. You can put it under some other code name so that if it's unsafe for you to have that in your phone, you will know what it is, but someone else may not know what it is. All right. I, of course, have lots and lots to offer you of my own resources. So you can go to heatherelizabeth.org and you can check out the things that I offer there. So I am very, very active on Facebook. I am somewhat active on Instagram and I do this podcast almost weekly. So those are all great places where you can learn, learn, and learn. And I invite you to do that. If you are a woman, you're invited into the Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse group on Facebook. That is for women only. And I have curated um, thousands and thousands of resources in that group for the, the women that are a part of that. You can also learn um, by going to the Honor Project Movement. That is the nonprofit that we launched in 2022. Was it last year? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was last year. We started the process in 2021. We were official in 2022. And we are on Facebook and Instagram. Not as active as my personal pages because it's just so hard to keep up with everything. But you can go to honorprojectmovement.org and hit the donate tab. And you can give. I'm going to talk more about that towards the end as well. And we are working to empower and equip women who are coming out of. So we are more on the other side. Once they are safe, once they are separated, we help to um, provide them with resource coaching. We organize groups uh, to go through um, finance coaching as a group. And we also have domestic violence uh, crisis support groups that we offer several times a year for small groups of women. And we do a big campaign at Christmas to bless mamas and kiddos who don't have a lot of resources available to them. We work with our local DV shelter in partnership with another local nonprofit and getting food boxes delivered to them every month so that they have, you know, when they're coming in maybe in the middle of the night and they just don't have much more than the bag or the clothes, you know, on their backs. These are foods that they can just 
pop in the microwave snacks that they can just open up fresh. We do fresh fruit every month too. So they have something fresh and it's just an honor and a privilege to work with reunite the light is another local nonprofit that has just been giving generously to help us help these women. All right, then everybody knows, if you listen to me any um, number of times, you know that I reference Sarah McDougall's resources. Sarah is a friend, and she is a just never-ending, never-ending resource of information. So she is active on Facebook, on Instagram, and her Wilderness to Wild um, website. And she offers coaching as well as Coach Bren, who is her co-founder, the three of us, just recorded an amazing, amazing resource. It's called the Nervous System Rest, Regulate, Reset. And if you haven't grabbed that yet, I can't, I just can't say enough about how powerful that weekend was when we recorded and presented that information to the women And now it's in a video vault and you have access. You can just go to heatherelizabeth.org and you can grab those videos as well. And your support of that helps to support things like the podcast, the group, etc. All right. We love in the survivor community. uh, We love Patrick Weaver Ministries. He is a pastor who speaks out very, very boldly against domestic violence, against spiritual abuse. And you can follow him on Instagram and Facebook as well. Flying Free with Natalie Hoffman. Natalie's book, Is It Me? was one of the first resources, one of the first books that I read that I felt actually seen, heard, and understood because she came from the type of faith community that I came from. She had similar experiences and she asked the questions and she said the things that nobody had ever said to me before. And so if you are a woman who has endured years, if not decades of abuse, while your church leaders um, supported your abuser and completely abandoned you, betrayed you, Natalie's resources, her book will be just priceless to you. So that's Flying Free, Facebook, Instagram. Psalm 82 Initiative is a powerful ministry that understands the dynamics of abuse and is doing something very practical to help um, bring attention to that awareness, education, and then help women in practical ways. Julie Owens, the domestic violence expert and consultant, also on Facebook. Intentional Today, love her so much. I'm grateful for the way that she was willing to take down resources that were harmful and not trauma or abuse informed and totally start from ground zero. And she listens to survivors and she is aware of the realities of what we faced. And she doesn't want to be part of the the problem. She wants to be part of the solution. Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR, is a great resource. One Mom's Battle, Custody Peace. And if you need help in navigating where you're going to go financially, what you're going to ask for when you get separated, when you get divorced, please check out Deborah Doak. We work with her um, we work with her in our nonprofit and she helps women to prepare for the battle and know if mediation will work instead of spending thousands and thousands of dollars in litigation. So, and then also Megan with Mountain City Christian Counseling. She is also one of our partners with our nonprofit. She was the founder of Give Her Wings Academy, which is, and Give Her Wings um, nonprofit, which is where I began to learn about all of these amazing resources 
and she is a dear friend and um, we partner with her as well. She really does understand um, the plight of women. So that was number one. That was learn, (laughs) become informed, okay? That is one thing you can do as a helper. The second thing you can do as a helper is support a domestic violence survivor. I promise you, if you live in this world that we are a part of, they are around you. They are your neighbors. They are your sisters. They are your cousins. They are your coworkers. They are women that you sit near in church or you go to Bible study with. I promise you that when you start to listen to people and you start to hear their stories and you become, you've already become informed and become aware and you start to hear examples of these forms of abuse, you are going to realize these women are all around you. Maybe you are one yourself and you didn't even know it before you started studying this stuff. So most women will leave their abuser seven times which means they return six times. Now, some are not going to survive that. Some are going to go back once or twice and it could be a fatal decision, okay? So the more that we raise awareness, the more that we educate ourselves and other people, the more that we offer tangible support and resources, I believe that this number of how many times they go back in is going to decrease. The more that a woman understands the dangers, the more that she sees that she has other options, the more that she feels that she has support and she has people that have her back, the less time she's going to go back. So maybe you are sitting here right now thinking, I help so-and-so and she just went right back into it. Give her grace. Give her grace. Understand that abusers are master manipulators and they will say anything to get their victims to come back. They will say and they will promise and they will future fake anything to get her to come back. It does not mean they've changed. It does not mean they have repented. It does not mean that she is safe at all. So give her grace. Don't take it as a personal attack that she went against your counsel or your advice or whatever. She knows her situation. Some women are safer, seriously safer when they stay with their abuser and they can see him and they can kind of um, predict his next move than if they're away from him and they can't see those things. So just trust that she's doing the best that she can to protect herself, to protect her kids. Maybe she even has pets. A lot of women will not leave situations because they're afraid of the harm that will come to their pets because their abuser has threatened that. So a practical thing you could do is offer to foster a pet for her. I know we're getting into the practical stuff here, guys. It gets a little bit messy. It gets a little bit intense. It gets a little bit uncomfortable, right? But think about what she is enduring. Are you willing to endure and and experience a little bit of discomfort to perhaps help her get out of a dangerous situation and maybe ultimately save her life? So just throwing that out there. Something you can do to support her that is huge, is listen. Listen. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to solve it. Don't try to offer advice. You probably do not even know what she needs. Just listen and believe her. Listen and then say to her, I believe you. I cannot tell you. I can't tell you what a difference that would have made for me 25 years ago if someone had listened and said they believed me. And said, you don't deserve that. You're worthy of honor and love and respect and safety and fidelity. I would have just, it could have probably changed the the whole course of my life if someone had done that. 
Then here's something super practical, but very important. Discontinue contact with her abuser. Don't follow them on social media. Don't text them. Don't respond to their texts. Don't be super uh, cordial to them when you see them out and about. It is okay for you to take a very strong stand and stand by your friend. Now, if this person is physically dangerous, I understand that it can be a, a very different situation. And you need to be careful. You need to protect yourself and you need to protect her. So you may have to do a little bit of what we call biffing, being brief, informative, um, friendly, and firm. You may have to do a little bit of gray rocking and yellow rocking where you're just, eh, you're socially cordial because you don't want to make things worse for her, okay? But you can take a very strong stand by not following the person on social media, by not um, making them feel good or um, coddling them. It's really important that your friend know that you're not going to get into conversations with their abuser, that you're not going to entertain um, listening to their side of the story. Remember, neutrality is always choosing the abuser. And so if you are choosing to listen to the abuser, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be manipulated. You're going to be coerced. You're going to be confused. So just discontinue that, that contact. Be part of her village. So I encourage women, just like my counselor did years ago with me, to create a village. Now, I know that some women, this is never going to be an option. They have like not one person, not two people. They just don't have anybody they can depend upon. But for those of you who do have a community and for those of you who need to create it, I recommend that you have a group of people that each one kind of plays a different role. Okay. So you may have your counselor who is providing that professional role and that relationship. And then you may have your medical personnel who are helping you with the chronic health issues, okay? And then beyond that, people can be a part of your village. You can have people who help you with your kiddos. Make sure you vet them. Make sure that they are safe. Make sure that if you don't know them and haven't known them for a long time, that you have multiple references. Um, it is okay to get on to websites and see if they have a criminal background, although we know that that doesn't reveal much. It only reveals some things. You may have... Um, your kids may have their own village of teachers and counselors and coaches and things like that. So as many people as you can find that are safe, and for those of you who are the helpers that are listening today, if you can figure out where you fit your piece of the puzzle in this person's life, you may offer to run errands for a mama. It's okay to say, listen, I can't pay for the groceries that I'm picking up, but if you can Venmo me the amount... I will gladly go pick them up and deliver them. You don't have to take on the financial burden of paying for the groceries, but sometimes just having somebody go pick up the groceries and drop them off takes that humongous weight off of a mama's shoulders, especially if she has chronic health issues, especially if maybe their family has been hit with the flu or some other virus and they can't go out in public. If she's just exhausted and worn out and doesn't have the energy to go shopping, you can offer to do that for her. Um, you can set boundaries that honor your limitations, okay? I know every person that listens to this has things going on in their lives. Every person has challenges. Every person that lives in the world that we live in today 
has something that they're facing right now that's not easy. So it's okay to set limits, but then honor whatever commitment you do make. If you commit to 30 minutes a week, show up, do the thing. If you commit to two hours every other Saturday, show up, do the thing. It's okay to put a start time and an end time. So if my friends offer to come over here to help me with something, because I have a lot of chronic health issues and my energy runs out long before my to-do list runs out. So most of the women who offer to come help me also have chronic health issues, which, you know, (coughs) if you're in that boat, you get it. And so you tend to want to help other people, but then I'm like, but your health is not any better than mine. So um, I will say, listen, 30 minutes, an hour, you tell me how much time you have, and then I will prioritize what needs to happen in that time. So they're not feeling like they have to come and stay until the whole house is clean, until every project that I have abandoned for eight years is caught up on. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on anyone, right? So if you do commit to 30 minutes, maybe a phone call, 30 minutes once a week, set a timer. And tell your friend, hey, listen, I'm here to listen and to let you just get off of your chest whatever you need, whatever you need to say. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to try to solve it. I'm not going to try to talk you out of your feelings. I'm just going to listen and care and hold space for you. But when the 30 minutes is up, I got to go back to this. Okay? I think she's going to appreciate that. I think she's going to appreciate that. You can offer to help with meals. You can offer to help with babysitting or running the kids, carpooling from place to place. Errands, inside chores, yard work. Maybe you love to mow grass and you know of a survivor mama who recently moved onto a property and she doesn't even know how to mow. That would be me. And if you offered twice a month or once a week during the summer to stop by for 45 minutes and mow her grass, I promise you that will bless her heart. That will bless her. If you offer to clean the gutters once or twice a year, if you offer to, if you have mechanical skills or your husband has mechanical skills and you offer to help with general vehicle maintenance, tire rotations, oil changes, just making sure it's ready to go. Uh, Detailing. Oh my gosh, you guys, I can't even tell you how filthy my vehicle is. I use it. I use it for everything. I use it to transport things and furniture and clothing and groceries. And it's very much a utility vehicle to me, but it is covered in dust and grime. And if somebody just offered to detail my vehicle for me, I would be ecstatic. So there are things that you can do that may not require financial commitment. Support a DV survivor in a tangible way. And then number three, give. But when you give, do so with no strings attached. I cannot say enough about the harm that comes when someone is helped and then it's held over their head or it's used to control them. If you work for a church or you are an individual who wants to help a DV survivor on a regular basis with your finances, Do not become one more person in her life that controls her. Do not become one more person in her life that says, I will help you if you will dot, dot, dot. Help her to find her voice. Help her to think for herself. Help her to have autonomy and to know that she is an adult and she can learn the skills to take care of herself, her children, her finances, and her resources. 
do not, for the love of God, tell her, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, but I demand that you do this in return. You are not acting any better than her abuser when you do that. Now, if she says to you, I'm not great with finances. No one ever taught me how to budget or delegate or make things stretch. If she says, I lack self-control and I know that if you give me a hundred bucks, it's not going to go for groceries. It's going to go for something that isn't going to get us through the week. If she says those things to you, that's a very, very different situation. Okay. Then it would be okay to say, do you want me to help you learn how to budget? Do you want me to help you set up a bank account, set up a checking account, set up a savings account? If she asks for that help, it's very, very different than saying, I'm going to help you, but you have to do X, Y, Z. All right. So a lot of people have left. Some have flat out fled toxic spiritual institutions in the last three years. I believe that was one of the good things that came with lockdown. And I'll tell you why. There were a lot of spiritual institutions that were doing horrible things. They were covering up abuse. They were enabling abuse. They were not being good with resources. They were, you know, spending money on things that were not life or death while people within their own congregations were going without the basics, right? I think that lockdown and people being at home and people trying to decide if they're going to go to church or not going to go to church. Why did I go before? Do I actually miss this? Oh my gosh. You know what? I realized that when I'm not there, nobody even checks on me. Nobody even cares about me. Why would I want to keep giving my money to an institution that doesn't even know my name, that doesn't even know my situation, that doesn't even know the things I'm going through in my life right now? They don't care about me. They just want my check. I saw a lot of churches, um, a lot of pastors become like little miniature televangelists or social media evangelists. And I saw churches saying, you know, we can't be together, but please give your money. And I was like, meanwhile, a lot of these people that you're asking to support your, your institution, they're losing jobs. They're sick. They're losing loved ones. Some of them can't afford food and you're still asking them to donate, you know, to your church. So it really brought to the surface and revealed a lot of the more hidden motives and um, abuses of these institutions. So a lot of people right now are what we would call spiritually homeless, which is sad because I don't believe you need to be a part of an institution um, to find true faith community. I believe there's a lot of different ways to find faith communities. And doing a smaller, you know, home church, um, there's just, there's other ways. There's other ways to do it without doing it the traditional Western way, right? But a lot of people who are very accustomed to tithing don't know what to do with their resources right now. And so I say, look around you right now and find someone who has practical needs. They need their rent covered, their utilities covered. They need groceries. They need counseling. Please, 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 please. When you see a request go out for Honor Project Movement, and we are putting together a counseling or a coaching group, please do not think that that is less important than any other need. That is a need that we get asked for help with every single week. These women 
need to have someone to listen to them, someone to help them sort out the things that they have endured, trauma and abuse. They need to learn how to regulate their nervous systems. They need to learn practical skills for getting through hard things every single day. Please do not eye roll or think that that is less of a need than rent and utilities and groceries because it's a huge need. A lot of women need help with medical expenses It is okay to, if you feel more comfortable, directly donate to the utility company or to the counselor or to um, a gift card for groceries for maybe a place that they can only buy groceries and they can't buy anything else. It's okay. If you want to have a boundary around that, that is absolutely fine. If your friend has already said, I'm not great at allocating resources, I'm not great at distributing resources where they need to go, and you don't want what you give her for her electric bill to go to something else, it's okay to, I think you can do this. You used to be able to do this. I think you can, with their permission, you could get through to the utility and you can pay it directly. You may even sometimes be able to go directly to their rental, you know, their landlord or whomever and pay directly, but you want to have communication between the two. So there's accountability, right? Because you don't want to give a landlord 500 bucks and then the person not know it and that landlord might not be honest and tell them. So make sure there's accountability, make sure there's systems in place, help the woman, help her kids. This is, this is what the New Testament church did. When you look at Acts 2, they gave so that everyone had all their basic needs met. And it wasn't people who had so, so much and hoarding and then people who had nothing all right? They cared about. This is not about a pastor of a mega church making astronomical salary amounts and then people in his church going without having food in their bellies. That's not okay. That is not the gospel. Consider giving to a nonprofit. So are there some nonprofits out there who are not doing what they should be doing? Of course. Um, but you can vet a nonprofit. You can look at what they spend and where they spend their money and their resources, and you can pick and you can determine. And just because someone has a lot of good advertisement and has good commercials on television or has, you know, whatever does not mean that they're above board. So definitely do your research and vet, excuse me, vet your nonprofits before you donate to them. Look for DV shelters, look for um, ministries that help moms with practical needs, There are different clothing closets. There are food banks. There's just a host of different nonprofits that do practical things. If you want to give and be uh, have a tax deduction, excuse me, you can give through the Honor Project movement, and we will make sure that women are receiving coaching resources and counseling resources and grocery gift cards and as we gear up for the end of the year we do a big campaign at Christmas and we give moms um, gift cards so they can go out and shop for their own kids. I think that's really important to let moms choose the gifts for their kids and let the gift be from the mom instead of from a total stranger. I think it's really really important to empower women and to equip them to be the ministers and the givers and the providers for their children instead of some stranger coming in and being the hero for the moment. We want these women to be able to choose gifts and treats for their kids that they know that they will enjoy, that they know that they will love. 
and then present them on Christmas morning from mom. Okay, that is really important to me. You'll notice that we don't do a lot of photographing. Um, we don't do a lot of storytelling because we want to protect. We want to protect the privacy and the dignity of these women and the safety of these women. And so we do not put a lot of photos on social media. Um, we can't. We simply cannot because it's more important to protect these women than it is to. Yeah. Okay. There are ministries and nonprofits that will take pictures of people and put it on social media or tell their stories with or without their permission. And it can really put people in danger. And we do not, we don't want to do that. And it can just strip them of their dignity. You know, if they want to share their story, that's fine. That's fine. They can do that. But a lot of people who are um, going through it, that is not, they don't need that. They don't need that pressure. They don't need that you know, putting them at risk for someone seeing their face or seeing their name and putting them in harm's way. So if you truly, truly are ready to do something, I invite you to think about becoming informed, to consider, still going through my notes, to consider supporting a survivor in a tangible way, either with your time, your resources, your funds, and then to number three, to give with no strings attached. I know that there are many other ways that we can support one another. There are other suggestions. What is in your hand today? Do you love, do you love to cook for people? Do you love to bake? I can guarantee you that most of these moms, if you would bring them a treat or bring them a meal, they would be so grateful. So grateful. I would ask them what their kids like and I would ask them if they have, you know, dietary restrictions, but I know that it would bless them. Do you love to get out in the yard and do yard work and landscaping? Look at these mamas. They probably don't have the funds or the energy. And if you planted a rose bush or a tree or offered to do some yard work, it would bless her socks off. Do you have the gift of financing and budgeting? And do you know a mama who wants that kind of guidance? Offer it. Do you or your spouse have a gift with handy, doing, doing things around the house or with vehicles? Probably every woman that I know right now who is coming out of abuse and trauma has something in her home that isn't working. <laughs> right now, it is my dishwasher. It is my kitchen sink. It is my bathroom sink. My vehicle. Like I, I always have a list. I always have a list of things that I just can't get to. And if you offer to stop by for 30 minutes or you offer to stop by for an hour, an hour and a half, maybe she just needs her floors vacuumed and mopped because she knows they're dirty, but she doesn't have the strength to get that done. Maybe she doesn't have a dishwasher and the dishes have piled up. And if you offer, if she lets you and you offer to come in for an hour and work on dishes and listen to her talk and pour out her heart for an hour that is a golden gift that you can give to her. So see her, listen to her, believe her, and then do something tangible if you have the means to do it. It is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and it also could be, let's turn this thing. Let's have a major shift. Let's not just post a purple ribbon on social media. Let's do something tangible. Let's not just virtue signal. Let's not just 
pretend like we care and then go about our business and not let what is going on in these lives affect us. Let's care. Let's do something practical. So I invite you again to go to honorprojectmovement.org, click on the donate tab, give, give, give. We have a year-end goal of $15,000. And I know that sounds huge. I had wanted to hold, host, put on a fundraiser this fall, but because of my own health limitations and because of my own circumstances, um, I just could not pull that off this, this year. But I do hope that for 2024, in the month of October during DVAM, that we can have a really beautiful fundraiser. But for what for now, what I need is for people just to be like, okay, I didn't get to go to some fun function. I didn't get to go to some fancy fundraiser, but I'm still going to give. If 15 business owners or individuals gave us $1,000 each, we would hit that goal like that, okay? If a couple hundred people gave 50 bucks, we would hit that goal. If a couple thousand people gave five bucks, we would hit that goal. I don't really care how it comes in. Again, survivors who are in the midst of it right now, don't even worry about this. You take care of you. But if you're on the other side and or you are someone who has the means, uh, we have had donors give us $5,000 at one time. We are not opposed to that. Three people, $5,000 each, we're there. We know that that's out there. We know that resource is out there. So when you go to the donate tab, honorprojectmovement.org. You hit that. It's a PayPal link. It is set up for charities. It's fee-free and tax deductible. If you prefer to give um, another way, just message me and I can let you know the other options if you do not use PayPal. So blessings to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you for caring about women who are coming out of the hell of abuse. Thank you for caring about their children. Thank you for being willing to consider tangible ways that you can make a difference and do something today. Blessings to you and may you feel held even as you are being healed.